All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am uh, I'm here. <laughs> Not excited to talk about this Nuggets loss as the Nuggets got shellacked. Uh, we'll talk about why. We'll talk about what happened. Uh, but 55555-ish is in the chat, and he says to quote, or he or she, uh, to quote a South Park episode titled, we got effed in the A this game. Uh, I think that's pretty apt. <laughs> seems uh, seems pretty fair. Uh, thank you to uh, 55555-ish for hopping in. I uh, hope everybody's having a good night. Hopefully this is uh, a time that people can be on uh, YouTube and, and hang out in the post game. I decided to change up the timing. Got some things going on tomorrow. Uh, with Mile High Sports that I wanted to be able to get to. But we're going to talk about this game. We're going to talk about what the hell happened and just everything in between. Hopefully not too terrible of a mood here tonight. But uh, yeah, not a fun one. Not a fun one when you lose 122 to 84 in a game. That's uh, that's a pretty tough place to be if you're a team. But look, I mean, this was bound to happen at some point. Denver, I think, has been on E, uh, empty on their gas uh, for just a little bit here. And that's why I put no gas pushed over at the start. In the main topics list, we're going to talk about how Denver didn't have any energy. We're going to talk about the two-man game failing a bit and how it was still a 3-2 and two road trip at the end, uh, but it doesn't necessarily feel great uh, on the bookends of this trip. Uh, Nuggets only score 84 points tonight, and that I think is a pretty big storyline in and of itself. 122 allowed, but 84 was the the primary thing I'm looking at here. Nikola Jokic was a strong scorer in this one. 13 of 18 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, 3 of 3 from the line. He did have 7 turnovers, but I don't think that that fully encompasses just the burden that he ha- I actually I do think it encompasses the burden that he had to shoulder because nobody else could hit a shot tonight. Jamal Murray was 3 of 11, KCP was 2 of 6, Michael Porter took 4 shots and was 2 of 4 and took zero threes. We're going to get into why in the second segment for sure. Uh, and Aaron Gordon was 5 of 10 and his lack of spacing I think is really uh, sort of an underlying thing for why Denver struggled tonight as well. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a really tough go for Denver tonight. Uh, they got off to a pretty poor start immediately. I think it was a twenty to seven deficit at the first timeout or so, and you could just sense that Denver did not have the energy. They did not have the effort. I thought that this was going to be a two man game performance tonight. I thought that Jamal Murray would have to step up a little bit. And she tried, I guess. Uh, it wasn't really, certainly not Jamal's best performance. He settled for a lot of poor mid-range attempts over OG and Anobi. He did not take as many threes as you would hope. And it was definitely clear that the Nuggets were not going to get good shots tonight just from the jump. <laughs> the only guy who could really generate good shots and even like mid shots for himself was Nikola Jokic. And he finished them at a at a great rate, despite the fact that he got poked in the eye. And I think everybody had a, a big old a big old breath intake of uh, trying to see if Nikola Jokic was okay. But 
he was okay. He, he missed the end of the first half when Denver basically let that lead get from, what was it, about 15 points, 17 points to about, I think, 19 or 20 by the end of the half. And that was a that was a pretty poor place for Denver to be. Denver just didn't have anything outside of Jokic. Like he was I know that Peyton Watson had some moments. I know that Aaron Gordon had a flash or two here or there, but for the most part, this was a purely Nikola Jokic performance and like 31 points out of Denver's 84, and he only took 18 of those shots to get there. So that means that if you just do the math, Denver was 21 out of 66 in the other shot attempts. So under 33% is a pretty tough place to be. So look, sometimes losses like this happen. Sometimes this is going to go poorly. And you can't always explain why it happens, but this was at the end of a five-game road trip. This was at the end of a I think a long and emotional and physically draining road trip where Denver went from Philly to Boston to Washington to Indiana and back up to New York. Uh, I'm not surprised that you don't have any legs and don't have any juice at the end of it. And that's going to happen on occasion, but it doesn't necessarily feel good. It doesn't necessarily feel great for Nuggets fans who they just want to see their team play well. And if you're Denver, like, the way that you get a one seed is you show up in a game like this. And Denver didn't show up, and they seem very okay with losing this one. Uh, I still think that Denver can get a one seed despite the fact that they didn't show up here, but that's for maybe the third segment. The bench also didn't have anything. I know I'm talking about the starters a lot. I'm going to talk about Murray and Jokic in the second segment, and then Porter uh, just kind of riffing off of that in the second segment for sure. But I think that the fact that Denver just does not have any juice off the bench is really, really difficult. Murray is usually the guy that staggers with the second unit, but around him, Reggie Jackson, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, and DeAndre Jordan, that group just, it's been fine to subpar for much of these minutes lately, but this one was a really, really ugly, ugly performance from that quartet in particular. Peyton Watson had some good flashbulb moments, and I don't want to dispel that. He had three assists, two blocks, like he had seven points. He was a guy who I think just found some ways to impact the game in a positive way, but he was still very wild, and he missed all four of his threes, and he was a minus 12. That is, as my friend Matt Moore would say, quite indicative of his plus minuses. Did he hit his threes? Now. Reggie Jackson is not hitting much of anything lately, especially from three. But his overall performance was pretty poor. DeAndre Jordan just didn't have anything to give tonight. He had five rebounds in him, but there was nothing else. He, he missed the couple of open shots that he had. And then there were certain possessions that you just want them to be able to move on both ends of the floor a little bit more or to be able to do anything with the basketball. And he just couldn't. Like that's just not his game anymore, and Denver shouldn't be expecting that from him. And I don't know if they did. I don't think they did at the beginning of this last game, and or at the, the of this last season. And now that Zeke Naji's played himself out of the rotation, and now that DeAndre Jordan like is somehow better than Zeke Naji, this is the situation that you kind of get yourself into when Zeke would have been the right call 
for this matchup, going up against Precious Achua, switching onto guards, doing everything that he can to battle on the perimeter. Like that's something where Zeke would have been helpful had he been playing well, but he's not. And so Denver goes with DeAndre. And I'm I'm let's just say I'm worried about where that's where that's going to go. I, I continue to stress to everybody that this is something that they have to solve. Like this is not going to be solved internally. And depending on how much pressure you want to put on Aaron Gordon as the backup center in addition to the starting power forward, maybe it'll be fine in the playoffs. Maybe it won't. Because Denver doesn't have the lineup versatility that they need, given that they don't have an option that they can go to as the real backup five. Or even like a pseudo backup five. (laughs) Because that's what you're hoping for Zeke to be. It was a small ball backup five who could play the four, and he's just playing neither position. So that's a that's a tough place to be, obviously. Um I'm hoping that this is kind of a not not a watershed moment, but that's the one thing that this trip has really taught me. This five game road trip is that tough positions, tough places to go, uh high leverage playoff caliber situations. The Nuggets are always going to go to that Aaron Gordon backup five unit. And if they're always going to go to that, then they need something else at the three slash backup four in order to sustain that physically and throughout this season. Because they just don't have enough bodies. And they don't have enough bodies that they trust, that Michael Malone truly trusts. And maybe playing Peyton Watson up a position at the two, three, or four, or at the two or three as opposed to the three or four all the time, would also help them in some of these situations. But yeah, just a, a pretty brutal situation all the way around for this one. Denver didn't have any any legs. And the bench for the Knicks, that defensive unit that featured Deuce McBride, Josh Hart, Quinton Grimes, Precious Achua, and OG Ananobi, that group killed Denver, just absolutely killed them. And Reggie couldn't create anything out of it. Christian Brown certainly couldn't create anything out of it. And Jamal Murray was just locked up by OG Ananobi all night. So that's a tough place for Denver to be against a team that has the perimeter defense in order to guard everybody without really compromising themselves. So I think that Denver's got to solve that. They've got to figure out what to do. And in the next segment, we're going to talk about what happens when the two-man game fails. What does Denver do? Who can get, who can they go to? Who do they need to go to in those situations? We will be right back. But first, everybody this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our friends over at Superbook, who you can win some money from this season as they're the most trusted name in sports gambling with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now you can use that promo code MILEHIGH and you'll score up to 250 bucks with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to 250 with promo code MILEHIGH. Download that Superbook Sports app, enter that promo code, and you'll get a 250 bucks courtesy of Superbook. This is Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. And we're back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Sorry I had to be under some pretty bleak circumstances here. 
If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the show, though. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button down below if you're watching on the YouTubes. That would help grow the show greatly. All right. What happens when the two-man game fails? What does Denver go to? What is their what is their alternative? Because I think we tonight saw a very interesting wrinkle that when Jamal Murray is being bottled up by somebody that he can't get free from, that he can't generate space from, what does Denver do? How do they combat it? How do they like do they screen off this other guy? What happens if they can't do that? What happens if the if when they're screening somebody off, they also get hit with a Dante DiVincenzo or a uh if if you're facing the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is kind of where this is leading to, and Anthony Edwards. What do they go to? Because I think that this matchup is very similar to the one that Denver is going to face against the Minnesota Timberwolves in the playoffs. We've only faced uh, the the Nuggets, not we. Um, We've only seen the matchup between the Nuggets and the T-Wolves once this season. Game five of the NBA season when both of those teams were fledglings. They're still trying to figure stuff out. Denver was 4-0 at that point. I think Minnesota was 4-0 at that point. And Denver gets shellacked. Denver really gets shellacked. It was bad. And one of the reasons why the matchup was that bad was because Murray was like 0 of 12 at the beginning of that game. And then I think he he recovered a little bit towards the end, but not like a lot. But he could not get free of Jada McDaniels. He could not get free. And as a result, Denver's other offense was bothered too. Other guys couldn't shoot. Other guys couldn't space. Uh, Jokic was turning the ball over a little bit more. Sounds kind of like this game. And despite the fact that there are some targets on Minnesota, like Mike Conley, I think with the Knicks, it would be Jalen Brunson. It's not always easy to go mismatch hunting. Like you can't always do it all the time for 48 minutes. Sometimes you're just going to have to beat your matchup. And for Denver, they couldn't beat Jaden McDaniels back then. Now, they couldn't beat OG Ananobi, and Jamal could not get free. They basically matched OG's minutes with Murray in this one, and that looked like a pretty good solution. That looked like a pretty good idea, because Murray tonight was a minus 29. He had 9 points, 7 assists, and 3 turnovers. 3 of 11 from the field, 1 of 3 from 3. Look, I'm a Murray guy. I know that he'll bounce back. I know that he'll figure it out. I know that one of the things that he does really well is problem solve, that the Nuggets do really well. It's why sometimes they get down in a series, but in in years past, like they haven't gotten down in the series this last year. But previously, they'd get down in a series, they'd figure it out, and then they'd roar back. And Murray was at the center of that several times. He does a good job of problem solving, but this may be a problem that Denver runs into in the playoffs where the two-man game, having somebody like a big wing like OG Ananobi, that might be difficult. A Jaden McDaniels might be difficult. Who are some other guys in the playoffs that sort of represent that at the top of the West? Well, Murray's already struggled with Lou Dort. And some of the other matchups there, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Jalen Williams. Yeah, they'll hunt Josh Giddy, but like, 
if Denver faces the OKC Thunder, it's going to be a similar issue where there's a lot of elite perimeter defenders out there that could give Murray some problems. You look at another team like the Clippers. And Murray's faced the Clippers off like before, and he's done a very, very good job. But Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Terrence Mann, Norm Powell's a pretty good defender. James Harden is fine. He's not as bad as I think his reputation says he is, and he'll fight pretty hard every single time. But they've got some tough defenders too. So all of these top teams, a little bit different from the Suns, a little bit different from the Lakers, a little bit different from even the Heat. Like the Heat had some some tough guys, but nobody crazy from a perimeter defense standpoint. The only team that could really bother Murray was the T-Wolves and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. The rest of the time he was, he had it pretty easy. Sorry, there's a plane going by just right over the top of my apartment for some reason. <laughs> um, I think that this could be an issue for Denver. I don't know if they can just game plan for Murray averaging 26-6-6 on elite shooting. Like, he probably will. But there is a world where he doesn't. There is, as, as much as I believe in him, there's a world where he really struggles. And Denver's going to have to come up with some alternatives there. One of those alternatives is getting Michael Porter Jr. going. Getting him to do more of those things that he was billed to do initially as a, a DHO guy, a pick and roll guy, somebody who could isolate, somebody who could post up a little bit. And go to him in some of these matchups, especially when both of those guys are on the bench, for example, when Murray and Porter are both coming off the bench and playing with the second unit. That's a good idea for them to not just put the ball in Murray's hands the entire time, but for them to give the opportunity to Porter. But then you have games like tonight where Porter takes four shots and it is not just because the Nuggets are icing him out or something like that. A lot of this is on Porter. A lot of this is on making himself available, being physical, being definitive in what he does, being aggressive. And tonight he wasn't any of those things in a matchup where he's mostly paired up against Dante DiVincenzo or Josh Hart. Josh Hart's a good defender. I don't want to take anything away from him. But those guys are like 6'4", 6'5". There's no reason for Porter, at all 6'10 of him, to not be able to get some shots off over those guys. And he attempted zero threes. There was one where he, I can vision it in my mind right now, where he just passes out of it, tries to pass it into the post to Porter off the jump pass, or into Gordon off the jump pass. And Gordon's not expecting it. He doesn't catch it clean and ball gets turned over. Porter has to be more definitive here. And he looks a little tired. He looks a little bit fried. I just, I'm a little bit worried. So he's played every game. There's something to that. Like he does a great job of keeping himself ready, keeping himself prepared physically and mentally. It takes a lot to play every game. And I, I wonder if it's wearing on him, especially for this game. It's the end of a road trip. I don't want to say anything too crazy. But what I do want to say is that Denver, because of their bench, because of how much they have invested in their starters, because they lost Bruce Brown, 
because your replacements in Christian Brown and Peyton Watson are still green as hell. They are still unproven in that regard. And they're certainly not offensive guys who are going to create efficient shots. Like, it is very possible that the Nuggets have to turn to MPJ for more shooting, for more offense, for more scoring. And if he puts up, what, four points on four shots, five points on four shots, whatever that is, in a playoff game, then there will be a bunch of criticism coming from me. Because it is not on just Jokic and Murray to make him available, to pass him the ball. Because it's what happens when you do with it. Like, what do you do with those opportunities? Do you create efficient offense that the team trusts? Do you get to the cup? Do you just fade away for a long two? Are you ducking in consistently? Are you being physical? Are you being definitive? Like, there's a lot of things that the team is just worried about that they don't know still. And I think he's just, he's got to be stronger. He's got to be tougher. He can't bobble the ball. He has to be physical. And that's something that, like, look, he's, I think he's 25 now. We're now at that stage where this is either going to be what he is or it's just not enough. And, like, there's, certainly something I think to be said for, man, it's just, it just hasn't been good enough at times. I'm all for criticizing Murray when he doesn't perform well. I'm all for that. Like, I think that it's perfectly reasonable. It's why Murray is not an all-star this year. It's because of performances like this one, where a lot of guys are... (laughs) Okay, this is this is a funny comment from uh, J.K. Walrus. He needs those Coach Godwin ball hawk gloves. <laughs> That's really funny. Uh, I've seen those. Those are uh, those are pretty fun. Um, back to Murray. Murray ne- needs like the consistency is just not there. He if he gets bothered by this matchup, if there there are some matchups where he's just not at his best consistently, and then the highs are like they're they're high but they are probably not as high as they need to be from an all-star perspective. Like some of these guys, like a De'Aaron Fox is putting up 42 or Devin Booker is putting up 52 or <laughs> I don't know, Steph Curry is just putting up 18 and a quarter or whatever he just put up. And that's going to be like tough for Murray to overcome because he just doesn't have that juice in the regular season. Now in the playoffs, he could put up, 50 points. He already has. We know that. But in the in the regular season, I just don't know if he's capable of that from a ceiling perspective anymore. And so if that's the case, then like, look, he's just not going to be an all-star. That consistency in being taken out of it by OG Ananobi is like that's what OG Ananobi's for. But if the opposing team is going to put their OG Ananobi on Murray, that means that Porter's got to play like Murray at times. He's got to be aggressive. He's got to hunt his own shot. Got to understand what the team's game plan is and take advantage of what the opposition is doing. And that's what that's what it is. So I'm going to hold Porter to that standard. He's being paid like a like he's a max contract guy. He's being paid like it. I know that Denver wants him to buy in. 
But this is part of the game plan, too. And this is what the story of the season is going to have to be for Denver. They need him to be better. They need him to do more, to be aggressive, and to continue hunting for his own shots. We'll see whether he actually does. Because I don't think it's going to be Gordon. Gordon's not that guy. KCP's not that guy. Gordon, I think, is overburdened from the role player standpoint, taking on a lot of the physical assignments on defense. KCP's also your defense guy. He's also over 30 at this point. Like, that's not what those guys are for. MPJ's 25. That's his time. That's his responsibility. Let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to chat about the road trip and how it is fine. I know I'm just being Debbie Downer over here, but it's okay. Denver will be just fine. We'll get back to that in just a second. But first, Scott DeHuff. We're back. Pickaxe and roll final segment here. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Uh, I said that I would wrap up with talking about what people are hoping shows up in Philly, what people are hoping that Denver didn't do tonight will show up in Philly. I'll wrap up the segment with that. But first, Denver went three and two here. You lose to Philly. You have your biggest win in Boston. You have a matter of fact victory in Washington. A victory in Indiana where Jokic puts up a great performance. Murray shows up and does a good job. And the rest of the team kind of struggled there. That was the sign to me that Denver was going to lose this one. Was the way that they approached that Indiana game. And the way that they just looked tired in that Indiana game. Jokic saved them that one. Murray saved them in the first half of that one. And that was just a... That was just a toughie. Like that, that was a physical game that Denver had to get up for, and they just didn't have anything really left in the tank for New York, or they chose not to really expel too much energy in this particular one. Also, they got into New York on Tuesday night, spent the entire day there on Wednesday, spent last night in New York, and then played tonight. So take of that what you will. This was still a good road trip, despite the fact that it could have been better. 3-2 3-2 and two is a perfectly reasonable road trip. As Cosmic says here, first five-game road trip was 1-4, and four, so this was pretty good. And, I mean, think about the uh, think about the game, uh, the players and the teams that Denver had to face in this one. Philly's the second-best team, or the second-best record, I believe, in the Eastern Conference, unless it is Milwaukee. Uh, it is Milwaukee, actually, excuse me. So Denver faced the third best Eastern Conference team, the first best Eastern Conference team, the 14th best Eastern Conference team, and they they took out Washington no problem. Then they faced the sixth best Eastern Conference team, and then they faced the fourth best Eastern Conference team, at least in terms of record. So the only teams that they're missing on that stretch were Milwaukee and Cleveland. (laughs) And like, they'll face Milwaukee in a couple days. This was a pretty tough trip. Like, that's what I think, like, I'm going to take away from that that Denver still was positive here. 
I remember back to talking about this trip. I thought that Denver could go two and three. They could even technically have gone one and four. The fact that they went three and two is a positive sign, despite the fact that the way that they did it, I think will leave a sour taste in some people's mouths. Like I know a lot of people would have preferred them to win in Philly, lose in Boston. But the fact that they did win in Boston, that showed a lot. That showed what they have for their playoff resolve and what happens when they focus. And what happens when they're at least well enough rested in because they had two days off for that one. When they have a couple days off and when they're pretty well rested, they're going to be a really, really great team again. And it's just some of the detail stuff that you got to figure out. It's like, how do you get Christian Brown going? What happens if Reggie Jackson is bad? How do you figure out what happens when Murray gets bottled up by one of the best defenders the NBA has seen in a while in OG Ananobi? Like, there's some pretty tough things that they got to navigate. And they did. And they did a mostly good job. Let me go to the other things here. I said, all right, Nuggets fans, not Denver's night tonight. Give me one thing you hope changes most before Saturday's game against the Sixers. Let me just read off a couple of responses here. Uh, Patrick says Jamal Murray gets within five feet of a set screen offensively, and MPJ stops turning his head defensively. Both of those things would be great. The first play of the game, by the way, this is one where it just bothers me to no end with, with Porter. Like, OG Ananobi gets a wide, wide open three. And the reason why he got a wide open three was because New York rotated the ball around. Michael Porter had to rotate into the paint on a on a three. And then just kind of left OG Ananobi on the perimeter. There's a looping pass over there. He had time to get out and close out. Just never did. Never closed out. And just watched him catch the ball and hit a three. And that's just not championship effort. It's not even playoff effort. It's not even regular season effort. That was a second night of a back-to-back effort on the first play of the game in a day where Denver did not have the second night of a back-to-back. So it bothers me. That was a that was a bothersome play. Uh, but yeah, he's got to be better. Murray has to be better defensively too. Elicio says, the Nuggets didn't come to play and now they have a tough three-game stretch at home. They could easily only win one out of their next three. And that's true. Philly, Milwaukee, at OKC. That is tough. That is the third best team in the East, the second best team in the East, and right now I think the top team in the West. Oh no, technically technically Minnesota is by percentage points, but look, Denver's got to find a way. Two of those games are at home. You got to win that. And then the other one is to a team that you could lose the tiebreaker to in a divisional matchup. So Denver's got to find a way to win that one. Like, win the Philly game. You can lose the Milwaukee game, and I think nobody would bat an eye. But if you win the Philly game and you win the OKC game if you're Denver, there's a lot of uh, unfortunate things that kind of just, they just get washed away because of putting up when it matters. Uh, Mile High Pete says Michael Porter puts the round orange thing through the big orange circle. I agree. Uh, Ray says, no changes, just get some rest in their own bed. It was a successful road trip, and they got blown out in the game they were most likely to get blown out in. No big deal. That's a fair perspective to have. I don't want to take away from that, but you just you want guys to have some pride with that. And Denver just didn't have it. And rather than try to fight through that, I think they just kind of rolled over. And it's just not great. Molly says she would most like to change the result of the game. I think I agree. I think I agree on that one, Molly. 
Uh, Skitchy says, other teams are being so physical with the Nuggets. It's about time the Nuggets try to be physical with other teams. Not always, just got to save energy for the playoff run, but this team just shows zero physicality in the regular season. I do agree. I think that that's fair. I think that Denver, one of the things that they really struggle with at times is the understanding of when they can impose their will on an opposing team because Denver is kind of a finesse team. Like that's just sort of how it is. And the Knicks are a very physical team and they played like it tonight. So really, really impressed with what they've done. Um, Hey, we've got a, uh, we've got a fan from Knicks film school. If you haven't seen it, I went over, it was on a preview show, uh, with Andrew Claudio over there at Knicks film school. They do a great podcast. Kevin says, Knicks fan here, appreciated your appearance on KFS. This is crazy, but I actually think we match up well against y'all. Was certainly not the case over 15 years where he didn't lose at home to us. Uh, completely fair. That was the uh, the mellow days of old where Denver just refused to lose to mellow. That was always fun. And that's to be fair, like matching up and putting OG Ananobi on Jamal Murray is a great wrinkle. It's a great thing to have. And what would really help for Denver is if they made their threes. It just it didn't happen. Uh, Kevin also says and extends an olive branch here. Nikola Jokic is a top 20 player of all time and the Jokic greater than Giannis's resume. That's uh, that is a statement and I agree with it. Thank you, Kevin. Love it. Love to hear it. Really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a tough one. Tough one for Denver tonight. But Nikola Jokic did show out in the garden. He had an over the head pass to Aaron Gordon, which was very, very impressive. That got the oohs and the ahs. Uh, I appreciated Tom Thibodeau immediately calling a timeout because you got to sort of bask in it. And that was a that was a good moment for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think the Knicks, they do kind of match up well with Denver now. Jalen Brunson, jittery point guard for Denver to try to stay in front of him. They have nobody, absolutely nobody that can do it. Pretty tough. A uh, couple more here and then I'll get out of here. Uh, Dominic Lopez says, uh, longtime listener, Ryan, this was the worst game of the season. There was nothing positive to say about this game from the opening tip-off. They just had no sense of urgency. Uh, complete embarrassment. Uh, <laughs> see, most, embar- most complete embarrassment I've seen in a long time. That stuff. I mean, yeah, not really something I can. <laughs> I would love to be able to change your mind there, but it was a 38-point loss. And those just don't, uh, they don't come around often for Denver. They, they very rarely, especially when Jokic plays, very rarely have a time like that. Uh, Drizzy says he'd most like to change that Denver defends the three-point line and stops trading baskets. I agree. One of the things that Denver does is when they actually get a stop, they've actually struggled to score in transition for the most part. And then the opposing team will get the rebound and then they will score. And it ruins any chance of momentum that Denver could have. So Denver's done a good job at times this year of going on these big runs and being able to stack defensive stops with scores. They did it in the Boston game. They even did it in the Philly game. And there are some things that they can do, but I, I they just didn't have it tonight, clearly. Uh, Astrid in the comments asks, do you see any trades happening? <sighs> I, don't, I don't really have a great answer for you because... I think that Denver would make a trade if they could. I think that there are some things that they are, that they can't do that they don't want to do. One of the problems that Denver runs into is that they are up against the second tax apron. I'll do more of a detailed 
breakdown of like what that is, why that matters, but they just don't have the contracts to really throw out there where they can't just like trading Reggie Jackson is all well and good as he's the the $5 million contract that Denver has, but I don't think that they are going to be able to do that, nor should they want to, unless you get back somebody who's better and there's just nobody better who's making $5 million or less. So that's a tough one. And then Denver for the other guys, like they can't really trade Zeke Naji. Nobody's really going to trade for him. And unless they can find somebody who's really cheap, then I, I don't see them being able to being able to figure it out. Um, yeah. Gabriel, I, I think this is part of the problem here is, is not understanding this. Gabriel in the comments says, I don't care that they got blown out. The starters are great, but the bench really. Calvin Booth, are you conscious? Yada, yada, yada. How can the Knicks get OG and the Pacers get Siakam? Like, those guys are stars. And the Knicks, they traded their matching salary in order to get him. Denver doesn't have matching salary to trade. Who are you going to trade? Are you going to trade Jokic? No. going to trade Murray? No. going to trade Porter? I've seen people go back and forth on that, and maybe that's something that they do down the line. But right now, no. You going to trade Aaron Gordon? No. KCP? No. The next largest salary is $5 million. So Denver is not going to be able to actually match any salary in order to get some of these guys. And like the, the max of the guy that they could really get is about $10 million, like $10 million salary. And unless they actually, like they could pair Reggie Jackson and Christian Brown and maybe like Hunter Tyson or Julian Strother or Jalen Pickett or somebody like that, they could pair up one of those guys and that would help them get to it. But it's tough. It's a, it's not easy to sort of match that. And then you have to have the opposing team be willing to trade with you. And so a lot of those trades aren't made right now, maybe in a couple of weeks. And we'll, we'll get to that when we get to that. But I am not really expecting a big move, to be clear. A couple more, like I said. Um, MPJ needs more shots. Uh, Centennial Sports says we need better effort from Mike. I uh, can't stand around and do nothing. Yeah, I agree. Like, Jamal just couldn't really hit a shot tonight. He was fine. Like, his defense wasn't spectacular, but I I don't know. And, like, we, we see this here. Like, Jamal is not overpaid. I hope everybody understands that he's not. Like, if I do the actual rotation, I, the actual thing here, let's go to spot track. Let's go to Spot Track, which is a, a contract site. We're going to go to the um, the top 100 average annual value, guys, uh, and how much uh, everybody's making in this season. Jamal Murray is currently being paid like the... Let's see if I can find it. I think he's being paid. Nope, that's too high. That's Michael Porter. Sorry, I should have done this before, but Jamal Murray is currently being paid like the 51st best player. He has the 51st highest contract. To be clear. Um, like... <laughs> That's fine. 
That's perfectly reasonable. Now, Michael Porter's being paid slightly more than that, and you might argue with that. But Michael Porter's not being paid so much more like than some other guys that it's not it's not crazy. Like Michael Porter's being paid the 36th highest average annual value on his contract. Is that higher than it probably should be? Maybe. Clay Thompson's being paid more. Tobias Harris is being paid more. Uh Rudy Gobert is being paid more. Lamella Ball is being paid more. Fred Van Vliet is being paid more. There's a lot of guys that just make a lot of money. And I'm just not going to I'm not going to disparage Michael Porter for the contract that he signed. Like, I know I just said that he's being paid like it and that they need more from him. But I also know that Denver has been winning all of his minutes. They've been very, very good, even when Michael Porter's being paid what he's being paid. What I think is fair is asking him to do more in a bench lineup, but Denver has not asked him to do that. So maybe that'll happen in the playoffs. Maybe that's something that they try to experiment with going forward. But I think, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll just have to play that by ear. Um, all right. I think that's probably going to do it. It's a tough night, tough lineup, tough, uh, tough place for Denver to be. But if they like, here's like, like I said, if they win the Philly game, if they win the Milwaukee game, and they win the OKC game, if you win all three of those, it erases this clear out of the clear out of the picture. Like nobody's gonna think about this game again, or or it will basically be. Hey, remember when New York beat them by 38? And then remember when they followed that up with the best three-game stretch of their season? Like, it's very possible that they do that. By the way, Joel Embiid suffered a minor knee injury tonight in Indiana. I don't remember. I don't. I didn't see the play. I don't know exactly what happened, but saw people talking about it on the timeline that he might be a little bit banged up. So I think he's going to play. I think he's going to still try to play in this game on Saturday against Nikola Jokic. If he doesn't play, that'll be a be a pretty big story, especially in rivalry week. But we will see what happens. We'll see what Denver brings. I'm looking forward to it. But if Denver beats Philly, if they beat Milwaukee, and if they beat OKC, it over it completely, completely does everything in Denver's favor again. Like Nuggets fans will be just fine. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Pick Axe and Roll. Hit that like button on the way out if you can. Like and subscribe to the show, especially if you're new, especially if you're visiting from other platforms. Would really, really appreciate it. Helps us out greatly. By the way, if you're in the chat, if you haven't done it yet, go subscribe to the Alley Oop. Go subscribe to the Alley Oop with Ryan Blackburn. I'm doing everything I can to cover the NBA at large, trying to provide the best possible coverage I can. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Hope you enjoyed. Sorry the Nuggets lost. We'll talk to you guys very soon.